Pip pip. Pip pip. Pip pip. Pip pip. Yes, I too am really excited. Let's do it. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan, and welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, I'm Peter, and looky here, it's my good English friend, Dan Crook. Tally-ho, Dan. Pip, pip. <laughs> I think, I'm I calling think... in from somewhere where pip, pip is a natural phrase. Wait a second. Is tally, did I use tally-ho incorrectly there? Is tally-ho a, a something you say when you're uh, wishing somebody goodbye? I mean, it's, it's not a real thing. Oh, it's not. Not that it's not like what's up or anything like that. Is it that. like put a shrimp on the Barbie? No, that That's... means put a shrimp on a grill. Wait, then what does pip pip mean? I mean, it's it's again one of those taking the piss out of old toffs kind of deal. Okay, all right. I yeah. I uh, I'm sorry. Don't take this the wrong way, but I feel like I know nothing more about either two of those phrases than I did 30 seconds ago. It's okay. I uh, you know. There's enough people that say things like British accent that make no sense. So I'm used to it all by now. All right. Well, pip pip to you. Uh, and uh, Bollocks. <laughs> Founder and co-editor of ThirdDegree.net and from the Dallas Morning News, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Buzzard. Hello, everybody. Calling in today from Globe Life Park in Arlington, Texas, watching the dirt get moved around. Pip pip. Uh, we'll talk about Globe Life Park and the great mystery that I uh, find about that here a little bit later in the pod. But we will start off by uh, me eating a giant slice of crow pie. And that would be our good friend Zoe, Zobra, Mr. Andrezik, who uh, proceeded to get a call up for the very first time at the ripe old age of 30 to the Czech Republic. Uh, for uh, European qualifiers, games that actually mean something, uh, came on as a substitute against England. This has all happened since the last time we talked, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, proceeded to not just play, but score the winning goal against England, uh, who lost for qualifiers for the first time in like 10 years. And then he went on to play in the next game against who? Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland and produced... Who are now better than England. Who, yeah, uh, who produced two assists in a uh, 3-2 loss. Uh, and by all means, all the promises and hype around Cobra have suddenly now blossomed into truth. And uh, Buzz, will any of that carry over into the much more important FC Dallas game against Seattle on Saturday? Uh, no. But... Um that doesn't change the fact that he had a great weekend. I mean, the Northern Ireland game was just a friendly, but um, to come on and get two assists for him, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, he's not, he's better at build play, but he's not particularly a great passer, but um, he is getting really good at sort of that layoff pass. And that's really nice to see if you're talking about, um, you know, what can he do that can help this team? Uh, the the goal they scored against uh, uh England was the kind of goal he always scores, which is he run in, ran to the right place and nobody marked him and he knocked it in. So 
But um, when we get to the part about where we actually predict the lineup for this weekend, uh, there's a reason why the answer is no, it will not carry over this weekend. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with that. But I, I do – here's the thing. How, how do we even explain this weird uh, switch of a flip in terms of his form? Because I, I, I've caught a lot of flack, rightfully so, for dogpiling and, and, and you know, describing him as having a giant bag of nothing. Um, but I, I'm not exaggerating, Buzz, when I, am I when I say he wasn't, he wasn't even like Christian Coman bad. He was just like you went out and watched him at practice and went, this guy isn't MLS quality. No, that's correct. Um, you know, in the spring, it's not like it was a short uh, window either. It was spring training. It was the first six months of the season. Um, he was not doing anything in practice that made you think uh, that this guy was going to be able to produce like he is. It's not like he banged in those kind of goals in training and then just didn't get a chance to play. He wasn't scoring at this level. He would get opportunities and he would blow them. Um, you know, he, he, he still is not fast. He doesn't have a burst to get between players. He can't separate and create his own shot. He's not going to play tight little ticky tacky combos. He doesn't necessarily play build up play like, uh, Lucci wants at least for six months. He didn't. So both he and Lucci have been very clear that after a certain amount of time, and by the way, full credit to him for never giving up full credit to Lucci for not giving up on him. Like we all did. And I certainly had given up on him and they didn't, and Lucci didn't. And finally, after six months or so, Cobra did two things that Lucci asked him to do. One was high press better, get his timing right and his team concept right in the high press and do it right. And the other was that play where he checks back and does those little playoff buildup that helped the buildup. So he did those two things. And once he did, Lucci said, okay, now I can play you again. Now you've earned an opportunity to play because you're doing these two things I've asked you to do. And that's when he got the opportunity against Montreal. Now... Since then, he's on fire because his attitude is great and he banged in a couple of goals and his attitude, uh, his demeanor has changed because he now has confidence, because he now believes in himself more than he did before because the team now believes in him. Excuse me a second. <coughs> now, when you watch him in training, he does bang those goals in. His, he's almost doubled the amount of goals he scores in training. And believe me, he was not doing any of this before. He's much, much better now. And when you watch him train, now you can say, there's a guy that I can get a use out of. And that's what the coaches think, too. But you have to remember, too, this is a seven-game stretch. Eight games for FC Dallas, seven games he played in. That's not even one quarter of a season. So before we all decide this guy's the answer to all of our problems, we don't know that yet, right? He's going. He's taking himself from he won't be here next year to now – He's going to be a piece of the part of the puzzle. He's going to be part of the plan. And we'll see how it goes going forward. And if he continues to produce like this, fantastic. Then he is the answer to all your, uh, at least your goal scoring problems. But you don't know. Like I said, it's just seven games. And we hope it continues. And we hope he continues to do well. But the turnaround is a complete night and day. He was doing nothing like he's doing now in training. Dan, can you think of anybody in your lifetime who has uh, made such a conversion from everybody going, okay, he's a bust, to getting everybody super excited about their performances in this same manner? Uh, hmm. Hmm. I mean, you, you know, there was Mauro Diaz and Fabian Castillo uh, right here. Um, you know, uh, like, like Bud said, you know, he 
he's he's done those two things very well now. Uh, take his goal against England. That starts because he gets high, he presses the keeper, and he pushes him, pressing him into a mistake. From there, he drops back, you know, looking for a pass, doesn't receive it, gets into the box, takes two steps back off the marker, and you know, he's got a very simple finish from there. Um, I just really want want to see him do more um, the goals are fantastic FC Dallas has had a problem with strikers scoring goals but he hasn't done it on the road um, even and he hasn't there's, there's an issue of with quantity I mean he's got the quality getting there um, you know he's he's putting his chances away but there uh, I think he's only had two shots on target in away games in this spell uh, you know, when we talk about that spell started with a goal. You know, um, LA, he didn't have a shot of any variety at all. Chicago, he blasts one from 30 yards out and the keeper makes an easy save. That's all he does in the game. Um, you know, even even looking at the uh, the international call-up he just had, you know, they were at home. Um, the second game, the two assists are great, but he had one header which he blazed over from... 12 yards out and that was really about it statistically for him in the game yeah that what that's kind of my question to both of you is how much of this is uh you know like legitimate excitement that he's actually uh coming good and how much of this is um uh you know kind of not really seeing it for what it is because you're just so excited to see this guy score and you get to rub it in the face of people like me who have been crapping on him for the last six months and because and the reason why i say this is even in the games for dallas uh that he scored in uh and even in the videos the all-touch videos from his two appearances with the czech republic absent those two or three really good moments the rest of his engagement in the game Uh, goes back to a lot of what we saw prior to this kind of run of goal scoring, which was poor touch, not very good passing, uh, kind of awkward positioning, lack of speed. All those things that we criticized him for are all still there. And I just wonder if we're all getting super excited about something uh, that's very temporary and could be snuffed out very quickly in another goal scoring slump. Well, uh, the thing I say about him lately when people have asked me is that – in every single phase of the game, Christian Coleman is a better player, except that Coleman doesn't score and Andresic does. You know. So what it's you're like, saying, Buzz, is if we yeah. could if we could take that part of Cobra's game <laughs> and the rest of Coleman's game and have yeah. them have a baby, yeah, we'd have that a baby. Good... That baby would be worth twenty to thirty million dollars and be playing for Newcastle. So <laughs> what? I'm, what I'm the point I'm getting to is that uh, no, there are a lot of flaws in his game. Uh, that's why he's in Major League Soccer. But this team has so desperately and so badly needed a number nine who could finish and get balls in the end of the goal, and he's doing that. This is the thing we've been asking for. I mean, listen, we asked for something better than this. We asked for Chicharito, but we're not going to get that. You know, we're not going to get uh, Funes Mori. We're not. We're not going to get the complete player. So this is what we have here in FC Dallas: is a guy who gets in the right position and knocks it in. So that. That can be a, an important component of what you're doing going forward. It can be part of your team. It can be part of what you're doing. Those are all good things. But it's not going to be a superstar, Carlos Vela, 30 goals, 30 assists, whatever he just did. You know what I mean? He's not that, he's not that guy. So yeah, it's it, Right now, it's a good component, a good piece. I'm excited for him. Couldn't be happier for the guy. He's a great dude. 
he'll be part of the pro- program going forwards. But you know, he's not worth thirty million dollars. He's not going to lead the league. And well, maybe he could lead the league. <laughs> Go ahead. So, so here's my rationale on it. Right? Um, you know, people are getting really excited. Cobra's on fire, and yeah, at home, six and four games is a is a great is a great uh, sample size. Uh, great small sample size. But it's kind of more the norm for other strikers, right? You look at the top scorers in the league, and I'd mentioned to this this to you before we started. If you ranked all the top scorers of every team, FC Dallas is tied for 22nd. Only Cincinnati had a player who finished top scorer for their team and had less goals, and that was only one. Um, so the top scorer for Dallas is Jesus, correct? Yeah, with eight goals. With eight goals. And so he is the second lowest top scorer across all MLS teams. Tied second lowest of Vancouver, but yeah. Wow. Um, but you know, when you're when that's when that's the norm, and that has been the norm for a few years. I mean, remember everyone was talking about Maxi Ruti like he was a world beater when he was, you know, taking what seventeen shots a goal or something crazy. You know, a player puts a small run together, and you're like, oh my god, we've got a world beater. When you know your top. 10, 12 teams in MLS like, this is totally normal. What are you talking about? Well, uh, it, it was funny. I had this question. I think I asked you this, Buzz, or asked somebody this question of the day. Is what happened, what would have happened, or maybe this happens in the offseason, if Christian Coleman suddenly has his own kind of like rising from the Phoenix uh, kind of moment, yeah. and now suddenly you've got Christian Coleman and Andrezic both scoring goals, and what do you do as a coach then? And I don't know. That's all fantasy and, and whatever. Uh, what's interesting to me is, is that if we all are in agreement that, you know, the odds are is that as good as this run of uh, goal scoring has been, um, he's probably not really the complete number nine uh, the team really ultimately needs. Uh, he's on a multi-year deal getting paid at least $500,000. It's probably going to be more than that next year based on how these deals tend to go. Uh, and, and and if that's the case, that makes him easily a top five salary chewer on this team. And aren't we really ready for this team to have guys who are getting paid that much that are regular starters and producers? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like if, if he could do this over a whole season, you'd be talking about a 30, 35 goal season. That would be truly remarkable. But uh, the odds of that happening are low. But uh, it is correct that we would all like a player that was the complete package, but that's why uh, I think that he'll be a big part of the, the 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 solutions next year. In the sense that you know, SC Dallas is not going to pay the ten twenty million dollars it takes to get a guy that is the complete package and is does have all the answers. They're going to do it sort of in a more budgety kind of way. And if this guy is one of your options and you know he's going to be good at home for you. A budgety kind of way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know, if, if, if you can use him in games where it's going to be kind of a banger, where it's not going to be a track meet, you know, you can use him in games where he's not going to need to play like an over-the-top kind of verticality. You know, FC Dallas builds slow anyway. If they continue to, to do better getting the balls into the box, he's going to be a very functional player. And if, and this, this seven goals in seven games will extrapolate to a higher number. He may not start... 34 games next year, but he's going to be a bigger part of the plan. They'll try and bring somebody else in as a nine, two, but you don't go with all your eggs in one basket. They'll keep Cobra and they'll get somebody else and they'll try and bring Preppy along. But you know, Pepe's a couple of seasons away from being the guy. So, you know, it's, it's, he'll be part of the plan. You know, it's, it's not a team that's going to have Carlos Vela. 
you know, they're going to have Cobras. So that's what we got. And, and he'll be here and it'll be fun to watch on some level. All right. Well, this, all of the last 10 minutes of this conversation that we've had is uh, somewhat ironic because I have a feeling, Buzz, you're going to uh, predict that it's more than likely that Cobra doesn't start in the game in Seattle. Yeah, uh, I am going to predict that. And the reason I'm going to predict that now understand that training was closed immediately this week. So a lot of times we make these predictions based on rotations. We're watching how things are working, what we think they're looking at this week. We're a little blind, but it was just a month ago, basically that they went to Seattle and played with a tactic of Barrios at the nine. Now over the course of a month, Seattle has not changed that much. And FC Dallas has not changed that much. These teams are basically the same two teams. So I feel that it's very likely that Lucci, whatever Lucci believed a month ago, was validated by the fact that they went up there and fought to that one, that zero zero tie. Right? That was only the third time they've ever gotten a point in Seattle ever. So why would you not? Why would you throw that away and go with the the, the other option where you've gotten your, your butt stomped? like three Oh and four Oh losses in the last month on the road. Right. So to me, I'm, I'm very convinced that Lucci will go with a, the same sort of type of shape that he went with last time, which is Barrios as a nine, sort of that mid block to low block look still pressing high, still trying to create turnovers, but with a little more of that counter punchy look trying to get Barrios free behind uh, their defense. And, if you follow through on that scenario, right, you end up with Santiago Mascara at left wing because he's been playing really well. Ferrer is your 10. And now your right wing's open. What are you going to do on the right? Well, you can't play Andresic as a right wing. Not really. I mean, you could, I suppose, but that's not a good idea. Is Baji healthy? I have no idea. He's still listed as being out, but we can't watch training, so we don't know. Right? He could be back. So really, is Paxton Pomichol starting at right wing? Well, he Possibly. did in the last game against Seattle. I know, but last game against Seattle, they had other people healthy, right? They had guys that are, were available. And, 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 like, was that the game they started Reynolds in the wing? I can't remember. That didn't go very well. So, you know, I maybe it's Pomical, Maybe it's Baji. Other than that, who could it be? Could it be Coleman? Could it be Jossie? I don't know. So, I mean, that, those are, that's the, for me, that's the big question mark now is – if I'm right that they're going to go with the Sparks at the nine scenario, then who plays right wing? And that'll, that'll be the fun question to try and figure out because you know the back four is the same. You know the midfield is Acosta, Cervania, and Ferreira. So all your questions are up front, and that's it's going to be interesting. But I, I just believe that it's that nothing has changed in the last month that will convince Lucci that he wasn't right last time, particularly since they got that tie. So right. that's what I think is going to happen. Um, you mentioned it, and I just want to throw this out here. It uh... Do you find it as annoying as I do that they decided to close training this week and almost a bit pointless? Well, um, yeah, a little bit, obviously, because I'm a firm believer this clause needs as much um, publicity as it can get. But um, most of the media that go to training don't really watch it. I'm kind of the only person that watches it and takes, takes notes, you know, everybody else sort of just shows up with like for 20 minutes left, stands in the corner and then asks questions and they still have the media availability. You know, they still have that part. I just kind of, I just find it kind of weird that, I mean, I get it. Like if you're trying to do something secret, like if they are trying to go with this Barrios version, it's like, but we're still all going to talk about it. You know, like if you've watched, 
like if you're the other team, like you you're not looking at what the way they played you the last time we were there. If you're Seattle, you're not going to play that tape like eight times and like dissect it and like what did they do and anticipate what they're going to do. I you know, I don't know. It seems yeah. a little crazy to me. They're not the Cowboys. I don't. <laughs> I, I never think they should trade. But you know, they've this year they've closed training every Thursday and Friday all year. This is the first year they've ever done that. So I different world i guess i don't know i don't think they're the place that should close training but i'm it's not my team so what, what can i do yeah it would uh, it would be not my advice to disincentivize the local media to spend even uh to disincentivize the local media to spend even less time covering your team um it just yeah it's not like i it's, it's not like i write out the the, sh- the team and put it on paper and go here's the lineup i mean i don't do that anyway i know you know it's, plus it's your playoff week it, it, if there yeah. was ever a reason for the local tv stations and the newspapers and the media to come and want to cover your team it would be this yeah. week because there are stories to be told and to decide to close all of that and cuz nobody's going to drive to frisco just to go do media uh meet and greet after practice they're just not going to do that yeah, well, this whole year they've also not let you shoot training. You can shoot the first fifteen minutes and the last fifteen minutes, which is when they're stretching. Yeah. So you can shoot that part, and that's true the whole week long. There's yeah. a reason why I don't go on Friday either. I go on Wednesday because on Friday it's clear what the lineup is, and Wednesday I can talk about all kinds of stuff because you can't see the lineup unless you really know what you're doing in terms of dissecting how they run in practice. But you know, I, whatever. It's not my team. <laughs> I'm, I, they still let me go at all sometimes, most of the time. So it's uh, so I still go up there, but. Like I didn't go this week, you know, I, there was no point for me to drive an hour each way to not be able to watch. So yeah. I didn't go. No, you're a trooper. Um, all right. So the other uh, component about the game on Saturday that I think ultimately is going to be uh, where the game is won and lost is in the middle of the field. And, and, and this is really going to be the situation where Acosta and Cervania are going to have to play out of their minds to give Dallas any hope, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Acosta's going to need to be disciplined and stay at home and not get dragged out of the middle. That's that when they get exposed right of the gut is when he gets pulled out of there. Well, I just to me it, it feels like you know a, a side of formation and 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 deciding to be very counter attack oriented and and sit back in some sort of mid to low block. It, it, those are the two guys that are really going to have to play out of their mind to keep uh, Seattle at bay. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. And Sylvania's going to have to be good in there. And, you know, they're still going to build slow. They're just going to try and use, um, you know, trying to exploit a little bit of that space right behind their defense with like those quick sort of cutting angle passes from the wings, probably. So I think that's, that'll be the key. Um, if they can, I mean, in the end, it's, they're probably going to try and grind it out and try and steal a goal late or uh, uh, take it to PKs, you know, try and not give, let Seattle score, basically. That's how you'll win it. Uh, Dan, any particular aspect of the game that you you feel is most important or you're looking most forward to seeing? Don't give up an early goal. I mean, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is give that Seattle crowd something to cheer about. I know, um, you know, we we talk about uh, big crowds and stuff and players always say, you know, it's better to play in a big, uh, big stadium. And, you know, I think it's Michael Bradley always said the hardest games to play are in an empty stadium which is maybe part of why FC Dallas has a great home record. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the, the last thing you want to do is is sort of, uh, you know, see a completely energized Sounders with a goal up early and players start getting flashbacks of uh, Oscar starting three at the back, at, uh, five at the back and being 3-0 down in a like, fraction of a second. Yeah, I, I do wonder if Dallas uh, got a bit of uh, luck in the fact that 
Uh, Reggie didn't start in the, oh my God, the game against Canada. But Jordan Morris and, um, oh shoot, what's the, who's the other Seattle player? Oh, Roldan, uh, both played 90 minutes in that game. I think they both played 90 minutes in that game. Uh, so they'll have a little bit of a mileage and wear and tear on them come up for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's a good point. Uh, Reggie should come back sharp, uh, hopefully. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's been playing pretty fired up lately. Hopefully he can carry that forward. Although last time he came back from a camp, he, the first game back, he was terrible. That was yeah, against Chicago. True. So hopefully we don't see a repeat of that. Well, but then know, he got better, you know. It it does beg the – it does – I do wonder, is there going to be any um, – uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Layover, not layover. Um, side effects uh, on Roldan and uh, Morris, and the fact that the result against Canada was so embarrassing and so bad and so apathetic, and all of the things that we want to yell and scream about. I just wonder: is is there? Do they bounce back with an amazing performance? Are they both kind of mentally burned out from that? I, I'll be interested to see how they react in, in the game, both physically and mentally. Yeah, hopefully it's burnout <laughs> for, for FC Dallas' sake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, Dallas in Seattle on Saturday. The game is at two thirty, and they've officially decided after much consternation, the game will be broadcast on Fox Sports One, not Fox Sports Eleven. At one point, it seemed like it was going to be buried somewhere in the deepest nether regions of the cable network, but it is uh, now. They've repositioned everything, and we'll get onto Fox Sports One at two thirty Central Time. Uh, and obviously, we'll be uh, talking about it live on the radio show, which actually kicks off about uh, 30 minutes before then. So we'll do a little pregame uh, discussion of it as well. Uh, any other aspect of the Seattle-Dallas game that you want to preview, Buzz or Dan? Well, uh, I think it's important to discuss the bench because the bench will affect the North Texas game. So, um, and I'll, I'll explain that here. Uh, you, you're taking Maurer, you're go backup goalkeeper for sure. Right, um, you're you're whoever's not starting on the right wing will be on the bench. So, Pomichol's on the bench, or Andresic's on the bench, one or the other. Jacory Hayes has been in the 18 all the time lately. Uh, Brisson's been in the 18 all the time lately. Baji, if he's healthy, should be there, and that leaves you two spots uh, available beyond that. Now, a lot of times lately, Johnny Nelson's been in there, and the time Pomichol started. Edwin Saria was in there. So that's pretty simple. But if Pomichol's not starting, that probably kicks Saria out. And the, the reason it's all important is because North Texas is playing for a championship the same night. And North Texas is going to, uh, and the organization as a collective wants to win a title. So how many of the guys that play for North Texas are they going to leave behind? And the, the big questions are Nelson and Reynolds and Saria are the three that you wonder do I leave them or do I take them as part of my bench? How much am I willing to sacrifice my bench for North Texas or not when I'm going to Seattle? I don't have an answer to that. I think it's a really interesting question, though. But so you know, I, it's really weird that you're even bringing this up because I never, ever uh, considered there would be a scenario where this club is going has to make choices about where to assign players and value one playoff game over another. And I have to assume that they will always put their best players and best option, whether they're going to play or not, on FC Dallas. But are you telling me there's a chance they may diminish the 18 for Seattle to bolster the team that's playing in the USL 1 final? 
I'm telling you that I think it's worth talking about. Now we don't know we don't know what they're going to do, and that's why it's an interesting question because North Texas is playing for a championship. On any other given game, I might agree with you. Okay, so who you would never but, impact who, your bench? But it's an it's an MLS playoff game, Buzz. I mean, one is clearly but, way more important than the other. So name me uh, a player that you would want to have on the bench as an emergency backup in Seattle, but you think also is almost necessary to start for Seattle. I mean, for North Texas to have a chance um, in their in their championship game. Well, the three. That I mentioned, Nelson Reynolds and Cerillo are the three that are jumping back and forth these days. You know, Nelson is your only left-sided player, basically, on the bench. Wow. Everybody else is a right-sided or a central-sided player. But you, you, know, don't, so, re- if you, you don't really I, think that they'll say, hey, we're going to leave one, two, or three of these guys back in Dallas for the championship game. Screw yeah. the MLS game. No, I do. Really? Yeah, because it's a championship. Okay. So you, you know, and you and your and your. What are your odds of winning in Seattle, Dan? Do you agree with that line of thinking? Uh, not not entirely. I would. Uh, I mean, it's a championship, but it's it's a development team at the same time. Uh, you know. Yeah, Buzz, I got to tell you, if I found out that that's actually if that actually happened, and I found out that was the line of thinking, I that would that would constitute uh, treason in my mind. I, I that would make absolutely zero sense in every way, shape and form. and would really begin to make me question what the whole point of this thing is. Well, I, you, you think that way, but we're not talking about you. We're talking about the hunts. I know, but like what, then what's the point of having an MLS team? If you, for some reason, value winning a us, a USL one championship over an opportunity to beat Seattle in Seattle by putting your best 18. <laughs> well, what's, uh, if it's for player development, what's better for Cerrillo, Nelson, and Reynolds to go and sit on the bench and not play in Seattle or to play for a championship uh, for North Texas? I Start and play 90 minutes. Yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't even, I, I think that being a part of a playoff game and that atmosphere at that stadium and that intensity, whether you play in the game or not, uh, probably possesses more value than we realize. Yeah. No, I'm a big believer in the the road. One of the reasons I wanted FC Dallas to make the playoffs was because of the the value of learning about road playoff games, atmosphere, and intensity. I agree with that. I'm not saying that I think they should do this. I'm just raising the question because I think it's an interesting question. I, I think, I think, I I think there's a chance they do. It's a f- yeah. fascinating question, and it boggles my mind that there may be a scenario in which – they choose to leave one, two, or three key players behind so that they can play in a final versus yeah. an like you're you're uh, uh, you you are applying a value of a USL one champion final against an MLS playoff game and well, and and that the part to me in my brain after watching this team for twenty some odd years and desperately praying for an MLS Cup to me there is no there's nothing equal about those two things they're not even close. <laughs> well, well, remember, this is a team that now I, we've talked about this. I'm, I'm convinced the Hunts have doubled down, right? I even talked to Dan Hunt about it today. He agreed with me that they've that they're even more convinced now because of this season than the kids. So it's like, wouldn't winning a North Texas title be able a thing that they can that Dan can hold up and say, look, look at us with our youth model. 
Well, yeah. At that point, they will have won silverware across uh, every spectrum of um, yeah. of of U.S. soccer ladder, <laughs> with the exception of USL Pro and MLS Cup. Yeah. So yeah. you're the most kick-ass academy and <laughs> low-level development club, but you're just kind of mediocre at everything else. Yeah. All right. Well, let's ask the real question then. If if you don't take if if Nelson Reynolds and Cerrillo don't stay, what what are your options instead? Well, Jata in midfield, uh, I think it's fine. That's fine. Cerrillo Jata, whatever. That's a wash for me. So I'm okay if the Cerrillo doesn't go. Nelson is a drop down. If he's out, you drop down to Jonathan Gomez, who's und- undoubtedly in the long run going to be amazing. But he's 16, and if Reynolds doesn't go, then who's an 18 year old uh, U19 player amateur also starts so those are the three questions you know is quill in there campaigning is quill in there lucy come on you don't you don't need all three of these guys <laughs> right i mean he's gonna have he's gonna have thomas roberts thomas roberts for sure right Callum montgomery for sure he'll have you got he'll probably have zobeck available Tanner, right because they won't travel zobeck i don't think unless he's you know do they take a 19th player like who knows who they'll take <laughs> you know so i mean because think of, that's the other side of the coin too is like is would you rather have somebody like Reynolds over Jossie or Coleman, you know, or yes Eric Alexander? Yes. Those are your other choices that are available. Well, let and Eric what happens play. if Baji's actually still hurt? Let Eric play in the USL game. I don't care. Look, I don't yeah. give two squirts about the USL one championship final. I really honestly don't. I think it's a neat side project, and I think it's good for the larger overall goal of what this club should be about, which is winning the stupid MLS Cup. But – now this conversation makes me think that the club treats all these things somewhat equally, and that drives me nuts, and Dan, you're being way yeah. too quiet about this. It makes you think, doesn't it? I'm just wondering two squirts of what exactly? The, whatever you want it to be. Use your imagination. No, don't do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and uh, particularly with, with no Pepe as well. Uh, he would have gone on Tuesday. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, he's not available either. No, he's out. Or Brazil, wherever, wherever they're doing the World Cup. Brazil. <sighs> okay. All right. Um, well, Donzo's healthy again. He's back. He's been looking good in training. Uh, I got a report from a coach on that. He's good. Uh, Dan, so Donzo's will be back in the middle. Coleman up front. No. I mean, yeah, you could leave Coleman, but I, I think at this point they'd rather have Damos than Coleman. Coleman didn't score a single game. It's a goal in six games he played with North Texas. They don't want Coleman. Yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> I think Coleman will be in Seattle. Oh, my God. What, are they trying to leave him? Wait a second. So hold on a second. Hold on a second. He's not good enough to start for the USL1 team. Yeah. So you're going to make him a bench player for the MLS team. Okay, shouldn't you make him start the, US, uh, the, the, the USL1 game and make Damas uh, the bench player in the MLS game if he's that much better than Coleman? You can't. Why? Your rosters are frozen. Your rosters are frozen. Your rosters froze and back in. Uh, well, how can you then? Mid- how can you move Coleman back and forth then? Because Coleman, uh, I'm not talking about the North Texas roster. I'm talking about the FC Dallas roster. The North Texas roster, you had to submit uh, like in, in right before the end of August, and there was a list on. Uh, okay. There was like ten FC Dallas players that they listed as available for North Texas. Time. But in order to go play for FC Dallas, you had to have signed a contract and been listed on their roster. And Damos didn't do that, so they're out of players. So it's a you have to take either. Okay. 
Yeah. You, well, and Damas doesn't have a contract with a pro team, and Pepe did, right? That's a big difference. Ah, that's right. Okay, so that's can't... the piece in this that I'm forgetting is that Pepe did sign yeah. a professional deal. Okay, all right. Right, right. Well, it's still So you're seems... stuck. I mean, you're out of players. you got to go with Baji Coman. I mean, Reynolds Nelson, you know, right. that's who you got left. Right. And then you begin to think about the quality of all the Seattle players and the, the one-on-one matchups and – um. You know, is anybody giving Dallas any sort of chance of pulling something off in this game? Uh, not, not any national pundits that I've seen. I think the only way they can pull it off is they can if they can do what they did last time, which is grind out a tie, a zero-zero tie, and then try and steal it with a goal late or an extra time or a shootout. You know what I mean? That's basically the only chance I think. Yeah. You know, the, you know uh, it's, it comes back to they've only got three wins on the road all year, and they've only won once in Seattle ever. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are you going to do? Go to penalties. Um, the Seattle narrative does seem to be now, oh, hey, Roman Torres finally decided to show up again. Well, good luck, Dallas. Yeah, uh, okay. So uh, if we're all going to w- walk into this with the assumption that Dallas is the severe underdog and and history tells us that it's very unlikely they're going to win this game. What what in our minds would be a positive result from a, a loss in on Saturday? Single well, goal I, loss, like just not yeah. getting blown out. Yeah, yeah. Keep it close. Keep it tight. I, you know, the, what we talked about before when I set one of the team to make the playoffs was the idea that you know this is a young team with a bunch of young dudes who've never experienced playoffs. And so for me, even if you lose this game, it doesn't matter. There's a value to it of going on the road and, and having the atmosphere and having the intensity of it. You know what I mean? Because right. regular season MLS games are not like this one. So it's going to be different. So that's positive. All right. So you also kicked me in the sack when you said you talked to Dan Hunt today and you uh, said that he essentially said to you what I was worried about, which was making the playoffs uh, with the construction of this team this season seems to have emboldened Mr. Dan uh, into thinking that they really are onto something here. Yeah. It wasn't the making the playoffs part though. It was the, it was the way that the young guys had performed and been reliable. You know, the, the Pomacles, the Ferreras, the Reggie cannons, the Jesse Gonzalez, even, you know, these, these young guys have become the core of their team. Um, and he also talked about now it's time to reward them. He did mention all that part too, but um, you know, I said, so I, that's, we had talked about the team in general and he mentioned the young guys a bunch. And so I specifically said, does the success and the reliability of these young guys make you more convinced than ever that this is the right model? And he said, absolutely. So, you know, I was correct that, that regardless of making the playoffs or not, they're now a hundred, you know, if they weren't a hundred percent before, cause they probably were now they're even more resilient in their belief that this Academy to, to USL one to pro team is the, the way to go for them. Wow. All right. Um, all right. So that does lead us into the other part of the conversation because, Buzz, you were at Globe Life Park today for the introduction of the new layout for uh, North Texas and for the XFL team. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, North Texas Soccer Club did win their uh, semifinal game against Ford Madison. Uh, two goals from Pepe. Uh, wow, that kid is a star in the making, and I'm super excited to see him uh, in the uh, U-17 World Cup and everything else moving forward. Um, but they play Saturday evening at Toyota Stadium in Frisco at 6 p.m. against uh, Greenville, right? Or, yeah, Greenville yeah, Gre- Triumph. Yeah, the Greenfield Triumph. 
What is the what what is the previous record between those two uh, this season? So this is actually Greenville are kind of the the bogey team. They are the best away team um, in the league. They are the team that seems to uh, seems to make uh, North Texas struggle a little. Uh, they came in twice this year, just sat in a low block, really frustrated them. Um, you know, it's kind of what we were talking about with John last week. Is uh, yeah, we. We all kind of figured that Greenville would probably win, and it probably wouldn't be the but the best result for North Texas. But at the same time, they can't do what they did in the league against North Texas unless they're just hoping for penalties. They they kind of have to step up something. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be definitely interesting to see, and then all the dynamic of what which North Texas team do we even get to see? So, Buzz, is part of the problem for uh, North Texas in that game is that they are such a young roster. What uh, Greenville puts out there it, 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 it kind of exacerbates a, a, a byproduct of such a young team which is you play in a low block and now you got to figure out how to break your way in which is something even highly veteran teams struggle to do uh, such as FC Dallas Well this is uh, Greenville is one of those teams coached by John Harks they're one of the teams that uses more veteran players you know the 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 academy not academy teams, the, the MLS two teams, which is North Texas and Toronto so far. And there's more I'm coming in tend to use a bunch of kids. So, um, you know, th- this is actually the kind of environment, uh, even though it's a home game, Lansing is fi- uh, not Lansing, excuse me. Greenville is five and five on the road, basically, you know, that's pretty good road record. Uh, and it partially, partially is because they're a very defensive team as Dan said. So, um, you know, this, this game, even if, this is a typical example of what the value of USL one is. Even if FC Dallas didn't get the result they wanted, this is still a chance for young guys to come up against a bunch of grown men and have to try and compete and have to try and break them down on a low block. So it's that that's what makes Greenville kind of fluky where they can, they can beat you on the road. And, and you know, if you, if you're not a hundred percent dialed in and focused and you don't know how to break them down. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, that'll be interesting. Um, uh, maybe I'll actually go to that game. That'll be fun to watch, I suppose. Just keep in mind, Greenville were the team that came to Toyota Stadium and walked away with a four nil win too. It was a decimated yeah. team, but you know that's what they can do. Oh, that's and they have yeah, that the was the game where in USL has yeah. Dallas beaten them yet this season? Yeah, yeah. One. Oh, that's uh, right. They've beaten everyone. One nil away. One nil away, and then what were the other results? Nil uh, nil at home, and then lost four nil at home. Okay, wow, fascinating. Yeah. All right, that four nil loss game was that there were no MLS guys and there were no academy guys, so they were stuck with like you know twelve uh, just North Texas only players. Was that even the game Michelle played? Dan, I can't remember. Oh, I think it was. Sure was. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's right. And was he thirty eight? <laughs> you know, yeah, so the coach had to come in and and, and play. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. So I mean, that game's an aberration, but uh, you know, Greenville, you know, they're here for a reason. You know, Harks is a good coach. You know, whatever you think about him off the field is up to you. So you know, anybody on be, the, uh, anybody on the Greenville team that somebody listening to the pod would know offhand by name. Uh, really other than John Hulks is their coach and then their keeper is outstanding and their defense, you know, they're more veterans and they got a pretty solid defense and they do sit in a low block encounter. So that's what you can look for. All right. 
see everybody there. Uh, fascinated to see what kind of turnout for that final uh, they get because right now they've been averaging uh, south of two thousand people. I think they what did they announce twelve hundred people uh, average this season? Is that what I read? Yeah, I think it's something like that. And to be honest, it's not even close to that in reality. Yeah. You know, so I, but that's how it always is. All right, so that turns us to this most fascinating conversation, which was today, Buzz. You attended the big uh, reveal. Now we've known yeah. this for a week or two that North Texas is going to be playing their games at Globe Life Park, which is obviously now the old former Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers baseball stadium. It's being converted into a multi-purpose facility. They've and I and here's the biggest part of this story that I still don't think mo- most people know. They've taken the grass out of the baseball stadium and they're replacing it with turf. So North Texas soccer will be playing their home games next season on a turf field, not grass. Yeah, correct. It's a an unlined turf field so that they can draw in whatever lines they need to for football or for uh, a soccer. And, and, it, and based on the images and the design and, and the amount of seats they're taking out, it looks like it'll be pretty uh, pretty wide. They say it's going to be the si- same size as Toyota, so that's great. Yeah, that that is uh, impressive. They are taking the dugout out and some stands, and they're kind of reconfiguring the stadium to make it uh, so that it's not an NYCFC kind of situation. What most people don't know about the NYCFC Yankee Stadium situation is the reason why that field is so narrow isn't because the facility doesn't have the width. It was the one thing that the Yankees refused to give up on, which was the removal and replacement of the pitcher's mound week in and week out. And uh, for for soccer games and uh this is what i was told initially and because they wouldn't let them take the pitcher's mound and rebuild it when there were baseball games it really forced them to narrow that field up even more uh and reconfigure the whole thing so uh that's kind of one of the weird oddities about that and it's part of the reason why at least you know, take the stands and the odd angles of the viewing angles of the seats out of it. Uh, there would be a proper, properly sized uh, soccer field and pitch on there uh, for North Texas. Well, one of the things I've heard through the grapevine is it costs somewhere in the ballpark of $30,000 every time they convert that thing to a soccer stadium, which is a, that's an Yankee amazing stadium? spend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. To put in real grass in, in the right places and not just lay some crap down there and actually really do a real conversion. But um, that won't be a problem at, at uh, Globe Life Park because they're they're literally gutting out big chunks of the stands in order to fit a football stadium in there. This thing now belongs to the XFL and to North Texas. This is not going to be a baseball stadium anymore. You know, a lot of the bad baseball conversions are because they still use for baseball, and this is not going to be the case. This is being fully converted to a football slash soccer stadium. All right, and I'm and we can start this discussion here. We can save it for another pod uh, after the season's over. But I'm just on the record saying is I don't get this. I don't understand it. Uh, I don't I'm assuming there is some sort of super cheap business, you know, financial answer uh, as to why the Hunts would choose to relocate this team into a baseball stadium um, and and ask them to play in front of very small crowds in a what is ostensibly a 45,000 seat baseball stadium. Um, And I just and I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's. I know you don't, and that's fine. You know, it's. Uh, I don't think there's that big a difference between playing in this thing and playing in Toyota. You know, when you're when you're when your target audience for USL one, look, Ford Madison averages announced five thousand people, and they're doing crazy amazing things in order to draw that. Everybody else in the league draws like two thousand, except for the MLS teams, which really average like five hundred. So, um, the reason they're doing it is because the teams that play in the same 
stadium is their big team and the shadow of their big team across USL. They all average under like a thousand people a game, you know, more like Toronto's is like a hundred people a game. It's even worse. So, um, if you want to try and make it any kind of independent functional fan base or business, you have to get away from your MLS team. And then outside of, so outside of this opportunity that fell into their laps, kind of, there really isn't anywhere else you can go, um, you know, around they could the play Metroplexes. It. Well, there's the minor league baseball stadium in Grand Prairie. Well, again, that's, you know, that's still a baseball stadium. This is being converted to where it's at least full. Yeah, but at least it'd uh, be a better a better watching experience. I mean, it, 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 that's the thing that I don't get. I, I understand the desire to separate the brands and give it their own identity. I don't understand sticking it in this incredibly vacuumed space of a 40,000-seat baseball stadium when there are clearly other places they could play this team and and—, and and again, I'm going to ultimately assume that the answer to this question is follow the money, as Bob and Dan tell me, is that the Hunts got some sort of ridiculous deal because the Rangers in the city of Arlington are so uh, beholden to making this facility still somewhat usable and not just tearing down a 25-year-old baseball stadium. Yeah, they wouldn't really talk specifics on the money. Uh, Dan Hunt did say that it was kind of a mutual, that they were looking for a place and Global Life was looking for a tenant. Um, there is sort of some involvement with the rangers in terms of marketing there is a component to that because obviously the rangers are still involved with running this facility i mean like john blake who's the rangers pr guy ran this event today you know what i mean so and it's clearly some involvement of all three teams um including the xfl i imagine the xfl team is paying for more of their innovation than north texas is because they're kind of an afterthought i mean they're trying to get this thing ready for the renegades to kick off their season in February. So they're really moving quick. They're building these big 80 person locker rooms because that's what football teams need. You know, they're obviously going to try and appeal to, um, other events. I'm sure they'll probably try and put some stupid bowl game in there. Uh, Dan hunt talked about the world cup and how this field would be while they'll have games at AT AT&T. Somehow this field would be involved as like a training opportunity or something. I I wasn't really clear what world cup. Yeah, I think not. Well, AT and T's a turf field. It won't be for a World Cup. No, I know it's not for games. The idea would be that that some it would be involved somehow as like ancillary crowd overflow or something, or there might be a training facility for somebody to you know the day before the game or something. They weren't really. I, I don't think at this point it was clear what their ideas were. Just that it would be involved somehow. So it's clear that whoever's operating the stadium, and I think it's the Rangers in our city of Arlington. There's a commitment from the Rangers to try and help make it all work. And so that's why this is all happening. Now, remember, too, though, it's only a three-year deal. So it's not the end of the world if it's not working for you at the end. And I think in the end, they picked this venue over other venues because of the idea that they could get it tailored to what they want, which is the full-size pitch equivalent to North Texas. Uh, not, sorry, equivalent to Toyota Stadium. Yeah, I have, I, like, literally, if you held a gun to my head and asked me pr- to predict what kind of turnout they end up averaging over the course of the next USL one season, I have no idea if they'll do better than they do in Frisco, worse, the same, I, I don't know. And ultimately, I guess the, the, what comes out of it is, is isn't the real part of this uh, involving the Hunt's commitment to actually marketing it and, and making something out of it? Like, you can throw the team out there, um, but it, you, you got to do more than just put the team in Arlington, yeah. right? Well, you could call this an, a marketing effort in itself. You know, you've got tons of people giving up season tickets right over the last few years in Tarrant County because of that. Well, you don't even bother marketing to us anymore. Why should we give you money? 
And now they can at least say, well, you've talked about Arlington being the centre of the universe and whatever because you live in Arlington or Fort Worth. So we gave you a team. Okay, so I, I, I'm, you know what, and I guess time will tell, but I'll be fascinated to know if anybody actually knows somebody that says, oh, yeah, I'll, buy, I'll get season tickets for this. It'll be the same people who went to every game in Frisco. Well, El Matador says they're coming. So for what that's worth, okay, you know, but I, but isn't the, isn't the point to this to kind of grow the, the 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 audience for the club in general? Yeah, well, one of the people that was at the game to, at the game at the event today that I got introduced to is a guy that works for the Arlington Soccer Association, for example. So uh, you know, there's a city of Arlington component, there's a Rangers component, and yes, you're 100 percent correct. The Hunts have to take advantage of all these things, and will they? I mean, who knows? But. You know, there's definitely some uh, – one of the things that the, their GM talked about, Matt Denny, uh, was talking to me about, was um, the idea that when you're in a separate place like this, that you can you can do things that you can't do in the shadow of your main team because you become the community interaction component and you get out in the neighborhood and you do – like the stuff FC Dallas does now, you can't really – you're kind of the, the in the shadow of uh, that stuff. And we're now in Arlington. Uh, independently, Quill mentioned this to me, too, is that they're really excited, the players and the coaches are, about trying to become like the Arlington team and differentiate it and try and make something of it. So, granted, that's not spending money. But, you know, hopefully, the, the, when you're talking about a USL1 team, you're talking about a team that wants to average. I mean, if they get 2,000 people, that would be a crazy, insane, amazing success story. You know, anything better than the 200 people they're getting now will be a positive move in the right direction. And again, three-year deal. Like, it's not the end of the world. If, you know, I still think the long-term goal is is that you and I have always talked about on this podcast, which is what didn't happen at MoneyGram, right? Like a 15 to 20 field complex with the championship stadium holding 3K, 5K. That's, that's the dream, right? I mean, I assume it is. They haven't said that, but uh, I'm sure that's where they're going to try and get to it down the line at some point, unless all of a sudden this thing is going gangbusters or something. Yeah, I... Yeah, it just seemed like a no-brainer to me to go build a, uh, a temporary pop-up stadium out at MoneyGram uh, for three to five thousand people at three thousand people and and sell tickets to that. And I think that would be bonkers. That would be a great yeah. atmosphere. People would show up. It'd be a Dallas team. Um, and I, you know, and again, there's a whole there's a whole litany of things that we don't know. Um, you know, it, yes. for all I know, Dan and Clark scoured the entire Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex trying to find the perfect location, and and it has absolutely nothing to do with money. It actually is this really is the only or and or best option. I it just it just doesn't it just leaves so many questions, and I and I'm so yeah. concerned about the ultimate fan experience. Um, you you were in there today. I mean, and it, from the pictures that you posted, it looked like there were just a few, you know, maybe a hundred people there. I yeah. have to feel like you're, you're sitting in a giant cavernous cave. It, it is, but it didn't feel any worse than Toyota when Toyota's empty, honestly. I mean, it's slightly worse, but it's like, you know, the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. I, I thought it just occurred to me, actually, is that if you are, let's say you are the Hunts, and I have no idea. Let's say you are, and you're trying to do something with some other facility. Let's say you're trying to get money ground to build a stadium. Or let's say I'm trying to go to Keller and get the same sort of thing done. Maybe the, this first step is, okay, we're going to go somewhere else, and you watch us. You watch and see what we do away from FC Dallas. I bet you we do better, and this is sort of their – this is their them playing their cards of, you know – Stick with me here. Watch watch us draw more like fifteen hundred here, and then now you see what we could do. Now, if you would work with us and do like a three K stadium, then we can do blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? So maybe this is just an interim, 
step to try and progress the thing. I, I, that's I don't know. That's kind of the way I feel about yeah. it. No, interesting. Hey, did you say John Daniels was there? Uh, the Rangers, Don, Jan, John Daniels. No, I said uh, John Blake, oh, the John Rangers Bl- PR guy, the head of the, their their VP of. Uh, PR for the last 30 years or whatever. Oh, okay. I wondered if there was any coincidence that uh, Dan Hunt shaved and wore a suit today. Uh, I imagine that's part of it. I mean, you know, the guys that uh, run the, the the Renegades were there. The XFL you know, team. TV cameras yeah. were there. All right. Well, that's never stopped him from wearing his uh, Sunday best uh, before on camera. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, so Saturday's a big day for uh, the Hunt Sports Group and FC Dallas and North Texas Soccer Club. Uh, it starts at 2.30 on FS1 when uh, FC Dallas takes on Seattle uh, in the opening round of the MLS playoffs. Uh, and then at 6 p.m. at Toyota Stadium, North Texas takes on uh, Greenville and the USL, the inaugural USL 1 uh, championship game and the big story to watch is which players get uh, assigned to which game and afterwards will we have a whole conversation about uh, which one the hunts decided was more important yeah we will uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing i should say and uh just to follow up because it popped into my head later on was we were talking about dan hunt doubling down he did also say that they had to be smart about their signings, and it did it. It did indeed take foreign signings that they couldn't yet do it a hundred percent on kids. So I need to give him the other half of that credit of that statement because, um, you know, we're not to a point where it's going to be a hundred percent academy yet. I just so he didn't. To be fair, to I'm be gonna, fair. but I'm going to guess that that didn't wasn't followed by some sort of um, uh, mea culpa on Giassi. No, no, we didn't get into specifics. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Giassi Bridge was burned long ago. Yeah, uh, I assume so. All right, uh, so those are the big uh, the big Saturday lineup for everybody, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, next week. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to throw in? You've been oddly quiet today on the pod. Oh, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot to uh, to talk about. It's been a very mind, don't mind the dog. Um, Does your dog have fleas? No, just uh, just a, a tag on a collar that makes a lot of noise. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not been a whole lot to uh, talk about, really, because it's just been the playoff game and, and, and North Texas, no FC Dallas game to summarize. So uh, is there a, I will say... Is there, I know oh, there's a watching party by the club at the uh, stadium. Is there a watching party involved with the supporters groups at all in another location? Um, I've... I mean, the Dallas Beer Guardians normally have their watch party at Petty Colas. Uh, I don't know if they're doing that. I would hope that they are planning to do something with the North Texas SC game. They did last week. Yeah, uh, I was in the garden. It was a lot of fun. I think, honestly, North Texas SC games are more fun than FC Dallas games anyway to watch. Hmm. But to have the atmosphere and the smoke and, every, and the flags and everything else, it just made it like a, a really great experience that the players all loved. Um, you know, so so I definitely hope uh, that they will join El Matador in in doing the FC Dallas watch party. Um, I will say, hey, this is actually the first, last week was the first game that North Texas SC actually made any money on because you know North Texas SC tickets are a perk of season tickets. So everyone that stays behind to watch those games is because they've bought an FC Dallas ticket or they have an FC Dallas season ticket anyway. You know, um, I don't know if that's going to carry over next year of Arlington. Maybe that will be uh, 
that would be somewhat of a financial boost for him. But it was nice to see a lot of people turning up to pay their five or ten dollars last week, and hopefully, even more so, do next uh, this week with tickets uh, only twelve dollars for a cup for a league final. Mm. All right. Uh, hey, Buzz, why don't you pimp your Patreon thing? I think we keep forgetting to do that, and this is probably a good time for you to shill for some dough. Yeah, I'm su- not super good at the uh, teaser for that, but um, uh, we are doing fairly well on the Patreon. It is a nice way to support this podcast in particular, and then the activities we do on the Dallas Morning News, which admittedly is behind a paywall. But um, maybe you love this podcast, you you enjoy what you get here, and there are expenses to this podcast, so hopefully you guys can all support us. And uh, I have some goals on there that if we reach certain goals, that we can make changes in the way we cover the team and changes in the way uh, where our news is posted, perhaps, and maybe even changes in how much we can cover the team if we reach certain thresholds. So um, it's going great. It's the right step in the right direction. And if you do do the Patreon, you get bonus content that nobody else gets on the Patreon page. So a little Pay there. the man. <laughs> Pay the man. Uh, the link to the Patreon, I believe, is in uh, the third degree Twitter bio, by the way, too. Is it not? Yeah, it's just patreon.com slash third degree. It's pretty easy to find. <laughs> it's right. not particularly hard. Okay. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So Saturday's a big day. We will uh, discuss it in great detail next week. Thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. Um, we will speak to you on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Tana Tussman.